Hey, what's going on, guys? On tap for today's episode, I'm covering everything from Wimbledon to the World Cup to the MLB All-Star Game and Home Run Derby to NBA Free Agency and much, much more. Just a heads up, we are now on Spotify, so you can go find us there at This Week in Sports. Give us a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Here we go. You're listening to This Week in Sports. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is Friday the 13th. Yes, that is right. It's Friday the 13th, July 13th, 2018, that is. We've got a big episode to bring for you here. A lot of things going on in the sports world. I just want to apologize to everyone for getting this podcast out so late tonight. It's around 7.30 Eastern Standard Time right now as I start this. Um, I had a dermatology appointment this morning. It has been brought to my attention that us white folk have a lot of moles, so yes, we have to constantly... Go and get some checkups at the dermatologist. Make sure we have we don't have any skin cancer and such. So everything worked out. I'm all good. No skin cancer. I'm ready to rock and roll. We've got things going on. Um, we've got a lot of stuff going on in the baseball world. All-star rosters were announced. Home run derby. That's coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday. We had an epic epic Wimbledon semifinal. I want to start off with that because it was crazy. I was actually watching that when I got home, so that's part of the reason as well that I'm late getting to this episode. But I want to start off with Wimbledon, that uh, semifinal matchup today between John Isner, the number nine seed, and eight-seeded Kevin Anderson from South Africa. This guy I don't know anything about him. He's a tall he's a tall dude, not as tall as Isner, but they're both very tall. I think like 6'10 and 6'8 respectively. But this guy Kevin Anderson beat number 1 Roger Federer uh the other day, so he faced up against Isner. Now let me let me tell you folks something, okay? This match went 7-6, 6-7, 6-7, 6-7, 6-7. And 26-24 for Anderson, who eventually won and reached the finals. But 26-24 in the decisive fifth set, that's like a football score. It was unbelievable. And I just real quick want to apologize. I have the Yankees and Indians game on right now. If I get distracted at any point, I do apologize. It's already one nothing Cleveland in the first inning. So here we go. Um... But yeah, he it was an epic match. It lasted an incredible six hours and 35 minutes. It set the new record for a semifinal match at Wimbledon. And I don't know if you guys know, but I remember this. John Isner, if you're not a huge tennis fan, he famously holds the record for the longest match of all time in the history of pro tennis. A 2010 contest in which he beat France's Nicolas Mahout. That match lasted an incredible 11 hours, 5 minutes, and it took 3 days to complete, featured also 215 aces. Okay, that's incredible. So those were that was just an unbelievable match to watch. In the second semifinal, we have a couple staples. Nadal versus uh, jo- the Joker, Djokovic. That's currently suspended right now because the Isner and Anderson match went so late. Uh, Nadal and Djokovic didn't start till about 8 p.m. roughly, 
And even though they installed the roof at Wimbledon in uh, 2009, they put in a curfew that you can't continue match play after 11 p.m. So they had to suspend it. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, Djokovic is actually currently uh, winning 6-4-3-6-7-6. Match play will resume tomorrow at 1 p.m. And the women's final has been pushed back till after this men's semifinal. Speaking of the women's side, we have Serena Williams. She has now reached her 10th Wimbledon finals, this coming 18 months after the birth of her first child. She has a chance to tie Margaret Court for the most slam titles of any tennis player in history. So that's a that's one to watch out for. She will face number 11, Angelique Kerber, in the finals. A lot of the top-seeded women were knocked out early in this one. So it's looking like Serena is going to win another Wimbledon title. All right, moving right along, we've got some World Cup action for you. For those of you that can't stand the World Cup, just know that this is probably the last time I will talk about it. If France wins, I might bring it up next week for the final time, but Sunday is the final, so it is ending. Speaking of France, yes, my pick to win the World Cup. They played in the first semifinal match last Saturday. They outlasted Belgium by a score of 1-0. to nil. The game winner scored on a corner kick in the 51st minute of the game, and it came off the head of Samuel Umtiti. Uh, Samuel, yeah, Umtiti, I think I pronounced that right. My pick to win it all, I've been saying it again and again and again since the beginning of the World Cup, okay? I picked France. Some of the best young talent, this Kylian Mbappe is a freak with the soccer ball. He's like nothing I've ever seen. Unbelievable with the football. It's, it's incredible. The, the young uh, Griezmann, the left foot of Griezmann on these set pieces has, been, has done wonders for France. On the other side, okay, on the other side, we had on, actually, what am I saying? That was not on Saturday. Excuse excuse me. Uh, the first, the France and Belgium game was on Tuesday. Okay, that was on Tuesday. On the flip side of that, we had England versus Croatia, and that was on Wednesday, okay? That was a bit of a better match. That one was, uh, it was very tight throughout, okay? The... English side, they were able to go in the friggin' fifth minute. It only took them five minutes to score, okay? The, uh, it was a free kick off the foot of, K- of Kieran uh, Trippier, if I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know if I am, okay? Kieran Trippier, he, it was a friggin' amazing goal, okay? It was a free kick just outside the box. The wall was 10 yards because you have to give 10 yards. I thought they were going to block it. He bends it just over this wall of defenders, right almost upper 90, right over a diving goalie. It was beautiful. They go up one nothing. They hold Croatia in check throughout the first 45 minutes, and it would take until the 68th minute for Croatia to tie it up, okay? In the 68th minute, Ivan Perisic gets his foot. It was unbelievable. There was a cross into the box. He's able to just lift his foot up high enough to, to get his cleat on the ball, and it fi- it's able to find the back of the net to tie things up at one apiece. And that was it. 
Okay, this one would 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 be sent to um, extra time, basically overtime. That's what they call it in soccer terms. They play two 15-minute halves. Now, mind you, this is this is England's second extra time game, but this is Croatia's third in a row. They've been losing every game that they've played since the round of 16, I believe, and they have come from behind in every single one to win. So they were down one nothing. they tie the game at 1-1, and they go to extra time. In the 108th minute, there's that name again, Perisic. He's able to win a ball in the air, and feed it into Mario Mandzukic, who makes, he was making his run toward the front post as Perisic uh, leads him, leads the ball in front of him, okay? And Mandzukic, he runs towards the front post, he just one-times it with his left foot, and he's able to get it past the goalie and score. This would be the game winner. England was unable to score for the rest of the time that was left. Okay, that was it. Croatia makes it to the World Cup final for the first time in their country's history. Okay, they used to be uh, Yugoslavia. When they were Yugoslavia, they never made it to the World Cup final. So this is the first time that they have made a World Cup final. They become just the second smallest country ever to reach the World Cup final with a population of roughly 4 million. Okay, by comparison, that's half the population of the state of New Jersey. So that's incredible. Uruguay holds the, uh, the, the record for that. They are the smallest country. They made the World Cup final in 1986, outlasting Argentina 3-2 to two to win that World Cup. Early odds are France is uh, the odds-on favorite to win this one. Honestly, not just because I bet on them. I'm not saying that I'm overconfident or anything, but France, man, they have looked so good. They have one extra day of rest. Croatia has played three extra time games in a row, which is 90 extra minutes because it's two 15-minute halves, 30 minutes for each extra time period, that each extra time game. So that's a 90-minute extra time that they have um, on their resume. So that's an entirely extra game that they have played, essentially. And Mandzukic, uh, who scored the winning goal for Croatia, he was banged up. He had a collision a few minutes prior to that with the uh, English goalkeeper. So he's banged up. These guys have to be tired. I was watching this match. They were clearly tired, both sides. But having... Having so, have, so having said that and having played three extra time games in a row and having one less day to prepare for France, I just think France is going to dominate this game. Anything could happen. It's sports. That's the beauty of it. That's why we all love sports because, you know, David versus Goliath, anything can happen. It almost seems like destiny and fate that this Croatia team is going to win. But I picked France. I'm hoping that they bring home the bacon and get me some of that money We'll see what happens. That game is going to take place this Sunday at 11 a.m. We have the third place game, the third place matchup between Belgium and England. I don't know if too many people are excited for that one, but that one takes place tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. So we'll see what happens. I'm hoping France can can pull it together, can can bring home the title. It would be their second World Cup title ever. So yeah, we'll see what happens. It should be a really good one, um, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are as well. 
Moving on to the MLB side of things. Okay, so last week I said that all-star voting was coming to an end, and now we have our rosters. We have our home run derby contestants finalized. Everything is finalized. And until this morning, or roughly this afternoon, I was ready to go on an epic Stephen A. Smith type of tirade on this show, okay? I was this close to losing my mind over the fact that Blake Snell was snubbed from the All-Star team. So everybody knows that at least one player from every team has to be represented at the All-Star game, okay? So the Rays, the lone Rays player that was selected was um, Ramos, the catcher, Wilson Ramos. He was selected as a starter, actually. He's having quite a good year. But the fact that Blake Snell was not selected is... It, it, it's unbelievable. It, it, it does it, You can't even wrap your brain around it. This man comes in to the All-Star break. All right, let me back up. He came into the... At the end of All-Star voting, he was number two in the major leagues in ERA. Only Jacob deGrom of the New York Mets has a better or had a better ERA. His was, I think, 2.09 and deGrom's was under two, something like that, okay? He was tied for second in wins with 12. Now, I just said it. He's on a Tampa Bay Rays team that is not expected to do anything. They're overachieving right now. They're actually over 500. They're playing. They're what uh, Kevin Cash is doing there, managing that team, is unbelievable. He should get some votes for manager of the year. But uh, they are not expected to, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're in an AL East division where you have the Yankees and the Red Sox who are both going to win 100 games. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're having a good year, but it's the Rays, okay? They weren't expected to do anything. But the fact that this man is pitching so well, 12 wins, just over two ERA. It's ridiculous. His numbers are filthy. I've been saying it all year. He's on my fantasy team. He's an absolute stud of a pitcher, okay? He's only 24 years old, if I recall. And the fact that he was snubbed was unreal. But thanks to Corey Kluber pitching last night, eight innings, throwing well over 100 pitches, somewhere around 111, 115 pitches, he is now out of the All-Star game, and Blake Snell is taking his place. So it's about time that this man got into the All-Star game because that would have been a travesty if he did not make it, okay? An absolute travesty. Um, so with that being said, I will reveal the both the American League and National League uh, All-Star rosters. I want to first start off by saying that the other snub in the National League, which was Jesus Aguilar of the Milwaukee Brewers. Not a lot of people outside of Milwaukee know who this man is, but he is a friggin' beast. He's a big, stocky first baseman who is leading the National League in home runs right now. And I want to say he's leading the National League. He's right up there in RBIs. He had over 63 RBIs or so um, at the commencement of All-Star voting. So he's been on a tear lately. He and Gene Segura from the Seattle Mariners were voted in as the final fan vote. Uh, unfortunately, my man John Carlos Stanton did not make it. I voted for him. Sorry. Um, but I guess Gene Segura is having a pretty damn good year. So he well-deserved. All right, let me get into these all-star uh, these uh, all-star nominations here. Give me one second to pull it up. It's a lot going on. I'm gonna 
I'm going to start off with the American League uh, starters. Here we go. All right, here are the American League starters, and I'm going to name all the replacements, guys that are out due to injury and guys that have since replaced them. We have for the American League, as I said before, starting catcher Wilson Ramos of the Tampa Bay Rays. At first base, we have Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox. I voted for him. Next up, we have Jose Altuve. He will start at second base, obviously, of the uh, Houston Astros. He's on my fantasy team also. Jose Ramirez comes in as your starting third baseman for the American League and of the Cleveland Indians. You have Manny Machado of the Orioles short at shortstop. And then, of course, we have in the outfield, we have Mike Trout of the Angels, Mookie Betts from the Red Sox, Aaron Judge of the Yankees, and J.D. Martinez is your starting D.H. Those are your American League starters, and here are the, um, here are the reserves, okay? We start with catcher. That would be Salvador Perez of the Royals. He's actually a reserve this year. I think he started for the American League the last f- at least few uh, All-Star games. So uh, Ramos switching over from the National League, coming over to the American League, has beat him out there. We have Mitch Moreland, first baseman for the Red Sox. Glaber Torres was slated to be in the All-Star game, but due to that uh, injury he's dealing with, Jed Lowry has since replaced him at second base. We have another of my fantasy players, third baseman Alex Bregman, who will also be taking part in the Home Run Derby. Francisco Lindor, shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. He beat out D.D. Gregorius. We have George Springer in the outfield. Mitch Hanniger, Michael Brantley, all outfielders. We have Nelson Cruz DHing, Shin Su Chu, who is currently on a 48-game consecutive uh, game on base streak. I'll get into that later. And now for your pitchers. We have Verlander. Corey Kluber, who did make the team. I just mentioned that Blake Snell is now replacing him. We have Chris Sale, Luis Severino, Garrett Cole, Aroldis Chapman, who's dealing with some knee tendonitis. He did pitch last night, got the save for the Yanks, looked pretty good, but he's just going to take it easy. He's not going to participate in the All-Star game. He's just going to rest up, make sure that knee heals and gets right for the second half. He's being replaced by Houston Astros starter Charlie Morton. We have Red Sox reliever Craig Kimbrell, Seattle Mariners closer, who is leading the major leagues with roughly 35 saves right now, and uh, that would be Edwin Diaz. We have Jay Happ of the Toronto Blue Jays, who threw 46 pitches in the fourth inning last night against the Red Sox. I may get into that a little bit later. We have Joe Jimenez of the Tigers. Oh, my man Joe Jimenez, who I recently picked up in fantasy, has made the all-star team. We have Blake Trainin, who has been a force. If you don't know much about the Oakland Athletics, he has been their amazing uh, closer. He's been really, really solid this year. I don't think he has a whole lot of saves, but I don't know that he's blown a single save this year. He's been really good for, uh, for the A's. Next up, we have starter for the Minnesota Twins, Jose Barrios. And next up, we have Trevor Bauer, who is replacing uh, Verlander. So next up, we have the National League starters. Okay, for the National League, we have 
Buster Posey was uh, slated to start, I believe. No, hold on, hold on. Um, let me see here. Yeah, just uh, Buster Posey, right? Buster Posey was slated to start, but he's going to take it easy. He's dealing with some uh, ailments. So Jose, uh, the, Jose. So Yadier Molina is replacing him. We have Joey Votto at first base. Ozzie Albies at second base. The young Braves rookie, 21-year-old switch hitter. Eugenio Suarez is the third baseman starting for the Reds in the National League All-Star on the National League uh, All-Star team. Not I would I would be surprised if many people knew who Eugenio Suarez was because my father is a huge baseball guy, coached for many many years. He watches baseball religiously and he didn't know who Eugenio Suarez was. So a very unknown name. This man is having a monster year. I don't have his numbers in front of me. He's got over 60 RBIs. He He's raking. He's hitting well over 300. The man has been on fire. Uh, I'm curious to see if this guy can, can keep it up in the second half for a Reds team that's really not much going on for them. Uh, they, they, pro- they won't make the playoffs most likely. They're they're, they're not expected to do much. Okay, so next up we have Trevor Story, who's having a very good bounce-back season. Did not play very good last year, but he has ba- since bounced back this year. He was leading the National League in RBIs at one point. I think he's fallen out of that lead, but he's still having a very, very good year. In the outfield, we have Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, two Milwaukee Brewers starting in the outfield for the National League, and the third would be Charlie Blackman. So that's your uh, Ameri- that's your National League uh, All Star starters, and here are the reserves. At first base, we've got Paul Goldschmidt. We have Scooter Jeanette, J.T. Realmuto, the catcher, the bat, the uh, catcher for the Marlins. And for the pitchers, we have of course Max Scherzer, who will probably start this one in his home ballpark. We have Jacob Degrom, who, like I said before, owns the best ERA in baseball. We have John Lester, who has since been replaced by Zach Granke. We have Aaron Nola, another of my fantasy uh, pitchers. Mike Fultinowicz for the uh, Braves, starting pitcher. Josh Hader, one of the most fun-loving guys to watch throw a baseball. This man is a beast. A left-hander for the Milwaukee Brewers, who have a record five players in represented at this all-star game actually josh Hader. he's got the long blonde hair he throws gas he throws like 95 i think he's got the lowest era of any reliever in the national league he's he's been fun to watch uh sean doolittle who was just recently placed on the dl he's going to be replaced by jeremy jeffries and next up we have reliever closer for the san diego padres brad hand on my fantasy team as well a uh, couple starters. We have Patrick Corbin, uh, Miles Mikolas of the Cardinals. He's been replaced by Ross Stripling from the Dodgers. We have Felipe Vasquez, the closer for the Pirates. Kenley Jansen, the closer for the Dodgers. And I think, yeah, that just that sums up the NL roster. So next up, I want to get into the home run derby. Okay. This is interesting because I just noticed this a, f- a few minutes ago, maybe 25, 30 minutes ago. Uh, I noticed it at first, too, when I saw the All-Star, uh, the Home Run Derby uh, bracket. But 
So here's the bracket. I will I will bring it to you. We have the number one seed, Jesus Aguilar, who was the late addition, the fan vote player. He leads the National League in home runs, so he is in the home run derby as the number one seed. Let me see. Yeah, he leads all players with uh, 24, I want to say like 24 home runs. Yeah, 24 home runs. And he will face off against the number eight seed. This is bracket style. They've been doing this for a few years now. Reese Hoskins of the Phillies. This is a really intriguing matchup because as I look over and the Indians continue to clobber, uh, Jesus, they're killing uh, Herman here. It's now 4 nothing in the second inning. Okay, so Jesus Aguilar versus Reese Hoskins. I'm really torn up about this one because I really like Reese Hoskins, the young kid from the Phillies. He's got a home run swing. His swing is tailored for, for something like this, the home run derby. But Jesus Aguilar has been a really, really strong home run hitter and just player over the first half. And Hoskins, um, he's battled some injuries and he hasn't come to full form yet in the 2018 season. So I'm going to take Jesus Aguilar to win this round. And truthfully, I could, I mean, if Reese Hoskins were to win that matchup, I would not be surprised. It's a crapshoot anyway. This is the home run derby. You never know how these guys are going to perform their first time in it and whatnot. But this could be where our winner comes from is this, is this one versus eight matchup. This isn't who I picked to win it all, but I, we, I would not be surprised at all if one of these guys were to win the uh, home run derby. Next up is an intriguing one. I'm going to go down to the 4-5 matchup. We have our our lone American League player, which is very intriguing because the top five home run hitters in baseball are all in the American League, and this guy isn't one of them. It's Alex Bregman, not really known as a home run hitter. But he's facing off against the number five seed and Kyle Schwarber, the outfielder for the uh, Chicago Cubs. This is intriguing because Alex Bregman, like I said, not known as a home run hitter, but he's hit a lot of home runs of late. He's got at least 16. He might have somewhere around 17, 18 on the year. I'm picking Bregman, not only because he's on my fantasy team and I've watched a lot of him, but I think he's the sneaky underdog that nobody's going to pick. And I think he's got a chance here to make uh, to make a deep run. Okay, so next up is the is the man we've all been waiting for. This home run derby, the All Star Game, All Star Weekend is taking place, as everyone knows, in D.C. in that, where the Nationals play, and that's why Bryce Harper is partaking in this home run derby. He comes in as the number two seed. He will face off against first baseman for the Atlanta Braves, Freddie Freeman. Now, Freeman is a great hitter, okay? Harper's more of a home run hitter than Freeman. That's why I'm taking Harper here. Freeman is the one guy I would I would take caution with because I don't know. I'm a little shocked he's doing the home run derby. He's he. This is the one guy that I feel like the home run derby is going to mess with his swing because he's more of an average type of hitter, uh, doubles in the gap type of guy. He hits home runs, but He's more. He he's a guy that still in today's day and age he hits for average. So be careful there, Freddie Freeman. You don't want to mess up your swing for the second half as the Atlanta Braves try to uh, make a run at first place in the National League East. So I'm taking Bryce Harper over Freeman. Then we have the three six matchup: Max Muncie, the uh, Los Angeles Dodger, facing up against Javi Baez, who's having an incredible season for the Cubs. And yes. 
He is the second player for the Chicago Cubs partaking in this year's home run derby. Last year, we had two Yankee players in Gary Sanchez and eventual winner Aaron Judge. So we'll have two more players from the same team. Javi Baez, okay. I'm conflicted here because he's having an incredible season. He's a second baseman, not really known for hitting a lot of home runs, but he's he's another guy that's been up there this year with the league lead in RBIs. He's been back and forth. He's having an incredible season, but I don't look at him as a home run hitter, and I don't think he's going to win this round, so I will take Max Muncie in this matchup. So we have, we're down, for, okay, we are go from eight to now four. In the uh, the one four matchup, I have Jesus Aguilar versus Alex Bregman. Again, this is a really tough one because I think Aguilar slash Reese Hoskins could win this whole thing, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and take Alex Bregman to beat Jesus Aguilar in the upset. In the two and three matchup, Bryce Harper versus Max Muncie. I'm going to take Bryce Harper simply because. He's playing in his home stadium, and I think that's going to carry him over the hump here, as we've seen in recent years when Todd Frazier of the Cincinnati Reds was able to win the home run derby in his home ballpark. So in the finals, we have Alex Bregman versus Bryce Harper, and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go with the upset and take Bregman winning the home run derby, the lone American League All-Star. I'm taking him. I'm going out on a limb here, and I'm going to say he beats Bryce Harper and gets the home run derby crown. So that's that. Um, I think it's a good time to transition into some other MLB news that's going on throughout the week. This is some interesting stuff that we have. All right. So I mentioned it as I announced the rosters. Shin Su Chu has reached base safely in 48 consecutive games. That's pretty incredible. The record is held by Ted Williams, who in 1949 reached base safely in 84 consecutive games, so he's got a ways to go. The key now really has been they just finished a series against the Red Sox, and they sat him against Chris Sale, and there's talk that they were ducking you know, him facing Chris Sale lefty-on-lefty matchup because they're trying to keep the streak alive. And yeah, it's, I mean, Texas Rangers have nothing going for them this year. So if they can keep this streak going for as long as possible, so be it. It's going to be really interesting to see what games they decide to sit him versus play him and try to play matchups here to see how long that this streak can go on. So it's pretty fun. We'll see if he keeps it going. He'll go for number 49 in Baltimore tonight. Um, In other news, okay, this was, I've never in my life seen anything like the finish to this uh, Astros-A's game the other night, okay? This was incredible, all right? This was, like I said, I've never seen anything. I'm going to play the audio for it because it's so incredible. Let me just uh, give you some background, okay? So the Astros beat the A's 6-5 to in 11 innings, okay? This was the most bizarre play I've ever seen. Alex Bregman's at the plate, man on second, I want to say. All right, he's already hit two home runs in this game. Let me just tee it up and tell you what happens. This is going to be a, I, I, I don't even know what happens. Just, just listen to the audio, and I'll explain after a little bit. Work here. Tapper near the plate, and... Everybody's in play. They both advance. The throws away. The Astros are going to win it. The Astros are going to win. Unbelievable. Of all the 
Alex avoid the tag. Here we go. Larry Vanover. Safe. Astros walk it off in one of the weirdest finishes you will ever see. Yes, he said it brilliantly. I don't know who that announcer was. One of the weirdest finishes ever. Okay, so here's what happened. As I said, Bregman had already hit two home runs in this game, so he had a good chance to walk it off anyway. But he comes up, he swings at a ball and hits a tapper. It First of all, it bounces like backwards behind home plate. The catcher goes and fields it. It now bounces just fair. Umpire rules fair. Bregman is standing in front of home plate. The catcher tries to tag Bregman. Bregman somehow avoids being tagged, but the catcher now drops the baseball. So Bregman starts darting towards first base because it's a fair ball. The catcher picks it up and tries to throw it to first base, and he throws it into right field, and the winning run comes around second, comes around third, and scores for the most bizarre walk-off you will ever see. Really, the audio doesn't do it justice. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on YouTube. That's where I found it. It's one of the craziest things you'll ever see. Uh, I want to speak on this game also because about this is about the Astros, okay? They have sent uh, reliever Ken Giles, their former closer, to the minors. In this game, I believe it was, he had a uh, – this was Tuesday night's game. He had a very fiery, if you want to call it, exit from this game. So he had given up three straight singles, and manager A.J. Hinch came out to to take him out of the game. Okay, the Astros would eventually, like, blow the lead, and that's why it went to extra innings. But So A.J. Hinch comes to take him out of the game, and when he's being lifted from the game, he appears to be pissed. He is cursing off A.J. Hinch as he walks to the dugout. A.J. Hinch clearly didn't like it, and... He was sent to the minors. They obviously the Astros are going to say it has nothing to do with that incident, and it's all performance related, which it very well might be. It's just very interesting that on the same night that happens, they send him down to the minors. So it will it will be intriguing to see as the trade deadline nears, end of July, to see whether the Astros go out and find a uh, a reliever, a closer, because they're in desperate need of one. We saw last year. In the playoffs against the Yankees, Giles was vulnerable. That bullpen for the Astros was vulnerable. Their starters were dynamite. But once the Yankees were able to get to the bullpen, that's when they were able to do damage in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings. So Astros in desperate need of a reliever. We'll see who's on the market, if they can go out and get somebody like a Zach Britton. Maybe the Mets are willing to trade somebody like Jairus Familia. But uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, one of the most bizarre finishes to a game you'll ever see in your life. Um, Another cool thing that I saw was the Philadelphia Phillies will start Aaron Nola. They're moving Aaron Nola's startup from Sunday till tomorrow. So he's going to pitch tomorrow, and that will give him sufficient time to rest so that he's available to pitch one inning in the All-Star game. So that's a really cool move. Nice gesture by manager Gabe Kapler letting uh, Nola pitch on Saturday so he's available to throw in the All-Star game. 
it's a nice gesture, but let's see if it pans out for the Phillies. If they can go out, if they go out tomorrow and Nola gives up five, six, seven runs or something, and they get blown out, and then he's not the same for the second half of the season, it's going to come back to haunt them because they're currently half a game up on the Atlanta Braves. But no, that was really cool. Most teams are resting players now. They're not worried about the All Star game because, quite frankly, it doesn't mean anything for their team as most of these teams try to compete for playoff position and playoff spots. That's the ultimate goal. But a very nice gesture there by Gabe Kapler to uh, let Aaron Nola pitch one day early so he's available in the All-Star game. They conclude their uh, first half of the season in Miami starting tonight, and Nola will pitch, like I said, tomorrow. Let's get into some of these Manny Machado trade rumors now. Like I said, the trade deadline is the end of July, I I guess the 31st, I want to say, right? Manny Machado is the most high-value target on the market, point-blank and period, okay? The Yankees want him. It's obvious. There's a couple teams out there that want him. This morning, the Phillies upped their talks, upped their uh, offer to the Orioles for Machado. But the Yankees seem to be the strong contenders. I know the Dodgers are in the mix. The Brewers are falling out of it. And the Red Sox threw their hat in the ring, probably just to drive the price up for the Yankees. It's it's very intriguing because Machado is a guy that wants to play shortstop now. The Yankees have a shortstop in D.D. Gregorius. Machado previously played third base for many seasons. He was a gold glove third baseman. So right now on the table, it is reported that the Yankees are offering Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar, who is currently the rookie starting third baseman for the Yankees, a very solid player. That's who they're offering. And it seems to be that coming with Manny Machado, since the Orioles are in a fire sale right now, they're one of the worst teams in baseball. They're trying to package him with Zach Britton, the former, not former, but I guess he's back in the closer role, but he's been hurt for uh, a while coming off Tommy John he's he's been banged up and he has not pitched well but Zach Britton the left-handed reliever who throws one of the when healthy he's one of the better closers has a nasty 95 plus mile an hour sinker filthy so he's in this package with Machado now there's the consensus is that the Orioles um want uh what's his name um sorry Justice Sheffield the pitching prospect of the Yankees, the young pitching prospect there in the minors. They're saying he's he's got to be added to the deal along with Frazier and Andujar to make this thing happen. Now, here's my thing. The way this Yankee roster is constructed, I don't believe they need a bat in their lineup right now. The way the two rookies are bat are hitting, Andujar and Glaber Torres, they're going to get Gary Sanchez back eventually. He's going to start hitting, okay? He has to, he's not going to hit 200 all season. Greg Bird is finally starting to come around, okay? The key here for the Yankees is not their, their bats, okay? They're hitting more home runs than any team in history right now, okay? They need another starting pitcher because we all know that Sonny Gray has not been cutting it, although he went out, albeit against the Orioles, and he put up zeros on the board. Okay, great. Woohoo. But we need another starting pitcher. We need a Cole Hamels, a Jay Happ, a Madison Bumgarner. The Yankees need another starting pitcher. They don't necessarily need another bat. So for them to go and and trade away a young Andujar, Clint Frazier, and 
Justice Sheffield, which I'm afraid they're going to end up adding him to this trade because nothing seems to be happening as of right now. That's a lot to give up for a guy who's going to be a free agent next year who can just sign with the Yankees on a long-term deal. So it's very intriguing. Um, It's worth noting, though, that Machado actually recently, a couple days ago, he liked a social media post with him in a Yankee uniform, which only heated up the discussion and the trade rumors. Oh, my God, Machado to the Yankees and blah, blah, blah. So we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. My guess is that the Yankees do end up trading for him. I hope I'm not. I'm not, that's not true. I mean, either way, Machado is is one of the top 10 most talented players in the league. He's having a great season. He he mashed against the, um, the Yankees in their recent series at the beginning of the week, which they split, uh, by the way. But, yeah, so we'll see what happens with the Machado trade rumors. I'll keep an eye on that and let you guys know whenever he gets traded or whatever happens with him. Uh, let's see. Next up, I... I mean, this is always news, right? It's Tim Tebow. We're going to talk about it. I have put it off now for several weeks, but it's time to get into the Tim Tebow news. So you all probably have heard Tim Tebow went one for four with a double in his first at-bat at the Eastern League All-Star Game. The debate surrounding whether or not Tim Tebow should be called up to play for the Mets in August, September is a hot topic as of now, okay? Mike Francesa took it as far as to say that if the Mets bring up Tebow to sell a few tickets, which, okay, I want to make this clear if you guys don't know, Tim Tebow is 31 years old. He's a former NFL quarterback turned minor league baseball prospect, hadn't played baseball in 11 years, but he got back into it and he's trying to make a run at the major leagues essentially, right? He sells tickets like it's nothing in the minor, like they're water in the minor leagues his press conference for this Eastern League All-Star game, he was absolutely mobbed. He's like a rock star. It's unbelievable. He's hitting surprisingly well. He's hitting around 265, 268, somewhere around there. Not bad. It's really not bad at the AA level. Uh, so so it, it, it's not terrible. And quite frankly, the Mets are the worst team in baseball. They might not be record-wise, but let's let's face it, they're a train wreck. And so if they can bring up Tim Tebow and sell a few tickets and let him get a few at-bats and, and bring fans into the stadium, why, why not? I'm sure Mets fans, Met fans want to see it at this rate. They're sick and tired. They're disgusted with their team. So Mike Francesa said if they bring up Tebow to put him and put him in the outfield, Mr. Met should be in the outfield right along with him. I thought that was 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 pretty funny. I can't stand Francesa, but I did think that was pretty funny. He thinks it's an absolute joke, but I think it's what they need. They need to liven up this fan base. They need to do... That's the problem with the Mets. They do nothing, and that's what frustrates their fans. They sit there. They watch guys like Giancarlo Stanton and every single high-caliber player gets traded or gets signed in free agency, and the Mets do nothing. They're unwilling. The Wilpons are unwilling to spend money, and they're cheap. That's the bottom line. If you want to win in baseball, you got to spend money. They are put. They put everything into that 2015 season when that run to the World Series. They put everything into their starting pitchers. They have great starting pitchers, but they have nothing else to go 
To, they have nothing else going for them. They have no bats. They're one of the weakest lineups in baseball. So it, it's a big debate on whether or not they're going to trade DeGrom and Syndergaard. They have said that they're unwilling to part with DeGrom. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. It's a shame, really, because the Mets have what the Yankees need, but they're so gosh darn stubborn that they would never trade with the Yankees. If they traded DeGrom to the Yankees, they could get three or maybe four high-caliber prospects that would really go a long way to help shaping the future of the Mets organization. But they're too stubborn. They don't want to trade to the crosstown rivals, and it is what it is. But So, yeah, that's the Tim Tebow news. He's, My opinion, personally, he's getting called up in September. This is the one thing the Mets are actually going to be going to do that we're in agreement on. They're going to bring up Tim Tebow. He is going to sell so many tickets, and I guarantee you this man will hit at least one home run for the Mets in August slash September when the games mean nothing, and it's going to be really cool to see because, hey, this guy used to throw footballs for a living, and now he's going to be playing in Major League Baseball. It is cool. It is fun to watch. It's fun to talk about. All right. Now I want to talk about the Yankees, talk a little bit about the Mets, but last night, Yankees-Indians, first place Indians, Yankees are now three and a half out of first place, get into that a little bit, but Kluber versus Severino. Severino leads all of baseball, all pitchers, with 14 wins coming into this game. Corey Kluber is tied with a couple others with 12 wins. Premier matchup, right? Two of the best pitchers in the game. Best pitchers in the American League. Neither pitcher really had their stuff. It was a battle back and forth. There was runs being scored. It was four to four in the uh, at the end of the seventh inning. This was this series is taking this weekend series is taking place in Cleveland. All right, so it's four four. Corey Kluber at this point has thrown. 100 pitches, I believe it was 100 on the dot after seven. He clearly didn't have his stuff, all right? He's given up already four runs. Now, this is one of the best hitting lineups in all of baseball, the Yankees. So what does Terry Francona do? He proceeds to throw out Corey Kluber for the eighth inning, which was a big mistake already at 100 pitches, all right? The... uh, Yankees tagged him for two runs. He comes out. They were able to add a third run off Oliver Perez on a Greg Bird sack fly. So the Yanks end up going on to win 7-4. Chapman nailed down the save. They win 7-4. But I just want to preface this. I want to get into this, dive deeper into this game. Okay, Brett Gardner hit two home runs in this one. He's starting to really heat up with the long ball. He's been hitting much better of late. D.D. Gregorius, who I told people was going to hit Kluber again and get another home run off him as he did in game five of the uh, ALDS last year. He gets a home run. Now, this is where it gets interesting. So the other night, the Indians blew a 4-0 lead against the Reds in the ninth inning. They gave up seven runs in the ninth inning. And this is weird. This was a weird one because there was a miscommunication error between Terry Francona and his pitching coach, Carl Willis. So Francona wanted Oliver Perez to start warming up. He wanted Oliver Perez brought in the game. So he said OP for short, right? So pitching the pitching coach, uh, Willis, he thought that Francona said OT as in Dan Otero. That's 
the nicknames they use. Real smart, right? Yeah. So instead, he warms up Dan Otero instead of Perez. Otero comes in, gives up a bases-loaded double to Joey Votto. The Indians take the lead 6-4. to four. So they blew a 4-0 lead. It was 4-3 at this point. He wanted Perez to lefty to face lefty, right? Instead, Otero comes in, gives up the bases clearing double to Votto. Uh, they go on to lose that game 7-4. to So that was a huge blunder. So after that one, last night, he decides to stick with Kluber, who's already at 100 pitches, and he loses another game. So I don't know what's going on with Terry Francona and the Indians right now, but a couple of... Uh, Bad blunders by the Indian manager. Now, I will say this. I do understand it. The um, the Indians right now, they do have the worst bullpen ERA in the American League, and they are without Andrew Miller. So I understand a little bit why he decided to go with Kluber, but you gotta you got to take each game one at a time. You can't go by, oh, this is Corey Kluber. This is my all-star pitcher. He's given up four runs tonight, but he's still Corey Kluber. You know, he could give me one more inning. No, you've got to look at the game. And I could tell that Corey Kluber didn't have his best stuff. He already gave up four runs. He's had 100 pitches. He's not going to get you through this eighth inning. So in my opinion, anybody out of the bullpen would have been better than Corey Kluber going out there, a tired Corey Kluber, over 100 pitches and pitching that eighth inning. That proved to be the game winner, and that's on Terry Francona, I guess. But Jose Ramirez was able to notch his 28th dinger, the switch-hitting third baseman who is in the um, All-Star game. I am surprised because he's now tied with J.D. Martinez atop the leaderboard for most home runs in not only the American League, but in all of baseball. So yeah, when there's guys in the National League that don't even have 20 home runs and the number one guy in the home run derby jesus aguilar only has 24 yet there's only one man from the american league participating what's going on with that how is that even possible jd martinez okay jose ramirez you've got the likes of aaron judge i mean there's guys that have a lot of home runs that are up there uh you've got even francisco lindor has a has has a uh a lot of home runs. I mean, there's guys up there that, that could be participating in this home run derby from the American League. So I just don't quite understand why there's only one guy there. But yeah, Jose Ramirez now tied with J.D. Martinez with 28 home runs. Speaking about J.D. Martinez and the Red Sox, this sickens me, but the Red Sox have won 10 straight games. They now extended their lead over the Yankees. They're ahead by three and a half games. Yankees are now sitting back three and a half games of the Red Sox. The Red Sox have been just unbelievable. They will go for 11 straight. Last night, I saw one of the most incredible at-bats of the season by Mookie Betts. Jay Happ of the Blue Jays. Okay, this is in Fenway. They're facing the Blue Jays. It's two to one. Blue Jays are on top. Jay Happ is there's trade rumors swirling around him. Maybe he'll come to the Yankees. Maybe he'll go somewhere else. He's going to get traded to a contending team. He's been a very solid pitcher this year for the Blue Jays, okay? Left-hand pitcher. He's holding on to a 2-1 lead. He's thrown 40. He ends up throwing 46 pitches in this inning, but Mookie Betts comes up, bases loaded. It's 2-1. He's around 40 pitches, okay? He gets ahead 1-2. One two on Mookie Betts. He blows a couple fastballs by him. Mookie Betts is late. Swings through one, fouls a couple off. 
He's behind. He battles, 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 battles. Comes back. It's 3-2. He fouls off pitch after pitch after pitch. And on a 3-2 count with two outs on the 46th pitch of the fourth inning, Hap lays a knee-high fastball into Betts, who just absolutely no doubt about it demolishes this, not only over the Green Monster, but out of the stadium for a grand slam. And Mookie Betts was fired up. He was looking back to the dugout. He knew as soon as he made contact with the ball that it was gone. That would be all she wrote for Jay Happ and the Blue Jays. Red Sox would go on to win, like I said, their 10th straight. They look for 11 straight tonight. I'm hoping that the Blue Jays can beat them. I mean, somebody has to beat them already. This is ridiculous. 10 straight games. That This is... I mean, this is a team that, what, what they win, 18 straight earlier in the year? I mean, it's 16 straight. It's unbelievable how well this team is playing. And it's really going to be a shame when either they or the Yankees end up having to go to a one-game wildcard playoff to determine who moves on. It, they're both going to win over 100 games, yet one of them could be eliminated early on in the playoffs. It's very, very disturbing to think about. But anyway, that's it for the baseball news. I'm going to segue into our NBA action right now. We have a couple more free agent signings. I brought you all the free agent signings last week that took place. Shortly after that episode, we had a few more free agent signings. I'm going to start with the ones that took place longest ago. So... Back on July 6th-ish. So, yeah, that's quite a while, actually. But we ha- I don't think I mentioned any of them. Okay, so Kyle O'Quinn, the former center for the New York Knicks, he has agreed to a one-year, $4.5 million contract with the Indiana Pacers. This was the big one right after Episode 7 last Friday. I think this signing happened. Tony Parker. His whole career was played with the San Antonio Spurs, won four championships there. He has agreed to a two-year, $10 million contract with the Charlotte Hornets. Next up, Zach Levine. The Chicago Bulls decided to match the Sacramento Kings' four-year, $78 million offer sheet, so he will stay in Chicago. He was a restricted free agent, so the Chicago Bulls were able to match that offer, and he will stay there. I think I mentioned this, but it has become official. Devin Booker has signed a five-year, $158 million max contract extension to stay with the Phoenix Suns. On July 8th, we had Brooke Lopez, the former Brooklyn Net and Los Angeles Laker. He agreed to a one-year $3.4 million contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. Zaza Pachulia agreed to a one-year $2.4 million deal with the Detroit Pistons. We had Kyle Anderson. Man, another San Antonio Spur. I wonder why all these Spurs players are deciding to leave San Antonio. Kawhi Leonard is next. We had Tony Parker and now Kyle Anderson. I'm not saying that I know anything because I don't. It's just very interesting to know that a franchise as good as the Spurs and as stable as the Spurs have been over the years, that all these players all of a sudden are deciding to leave. So the writing is on the wall there in San Antonio. But we have Kyle Anderson. He is 
the Spurs actually declined to match his four-year $37 million offer sheet. So he I, he's signing with the Memphis Grizzlies. So I guess that one's on the Spurs. But yeah, he's leaving. He's going to go to the Memphis Grizzlies. Next up, we have, this is one of my favorite names to pronounce in the NBA, Luke Emba Amute has agreed to a one-year $4.3 million deal with the LA Clippers. He was on the Rockets last season, and me and my friends used to love to make fun of this guy because every time he got in the game, it seemed like he would miss shot after shot after shot or layup after layup after layup. It was quite comical, and we got a few laughs out of that. But uh, Emba Amute is going to the Clippers. Next up, we have Brian Forbes agreed to a two-year deal to return to the Spurs, so at least one guy is remaining with the Spurs. Davis Bertans agreed to a two-year deal to return to the Spurs as well. Okay, I don't know really. I've heard of Forbes slightly. I don't know who this Bertans guy is. Next up, this is a really cool one. This is an interesting one, excuse me. Damian Lee. Quite frankly, I've never heard of him. He used to play for the uh, Louisville Cardinal. Uh, Louisville in college, right? He reached an agreement with the Golden State Warriors on a two-way contract. If you don't know what a two-way contract is, head back to episode seven, This Week in Sports. I talk about it. This is Steph Curry's future brother-in-law, believe it or not. So he's currently engaged to Steph's sister, Seidel Curry. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, The future brother-in-law will be playing with Steph Curry. That's pretty that's that's ah, it's cool. I don't know. It's it's different. I didn't expect that. I didn't even know that 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 he was engaged to Steph's brother. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Next up, James Ennis agrees to a two-year deal with the Houston Rockets. So they add some bench depth there. Dwight Howard. He was the other big one that I failed to mention. It happened right after. Uh, my last episode on Friday. So he finally signed a two-year deal with the Washington Wizards. As you know, he was traded to the Nets. There was a trade from uh, Charlotte. He was then bought out by the Nets, became a free agent. He's now signed a two-year deal with the Wizards. Wayne Ellington has signed a one-year $6.2 million deal with the Miami Heat. And some big news that happened last night Adrian Wojnarowski, my man Woj was up late tweeting well after around midnight. He agreed, uh, Isaiah Thomas has agreed to a one-year $2 million deal with the Denver Nuggets. I got a feel for my man Isaiah Thomas. I like watching him, the lefty. He's a smaller guy like myself. And he, man, a couple seasons ago, he had an MVP caliber year with the Boston Celtics, but it's been downhill ever since that injury. He's bounced around from Cleveland to the Lakers, and now he's going to the Nuggets on a one-year deal. I hope he can get healthy and get back to the way he was. But speaking of the Denver Nuggets, man, I hinted at this a minute ago. Woj was very busy last night. He tweeted out some bombshell trades that took place last night between my Brooklyn Nets go figure they were the they were they were busy last night the Brooklyn Nets they made a couple trades here so the first one involved the Nets trading Jeremy Lin to the Atlanta Hawks I loved when Jeremy Lin came over to the Nets okay I really like Jeremy Lin as a player but his biggest problem is his inability to stay healthy this man cannot stay healthy ever so they trade 
Lynn to the Hawks. Atlanta is sending Brooklyn a 2020 second round pick via Portland and the rights to Isaiah Cordonier. I don't know who he is. I'll have to look into him a little bit more. But Cordonier is a 2016 second round pick who, oh, there we go. He's remained overseas. So who knows? Um, but they they sure up another draft pick. So that's good. Sean Marks, that's his one thing. He's been very busy. He's been stacking up the draft picks because we haven't had any. On the flip side, the Nets will send the Hawks a 2025 second-round pick and the rights to swap second-rounders in 2023, so not too bad. The Nets were not done, though. I said they made a couple deals. Here's the second one. This is more, this is the big one. This is the bombshell, okay? The Nets made a trade with the Denver Nuggets. They acquired Kenneth Fareed, Darrell Arthur, a 2019 protected first round draft pick, which will be a 1 to 12 protected pick. And they also receive a 2020 second round pick in exchange for Isaiah Whitehead. That's it. That is all. Nothing else to it. The Nets gave up Isaiah Whitehead, who the Nuggets, mind you, plan on waiving anyway. Isaiah Whitehead was a second-round pick for the Nets. He's a bench player out of Seton Hall, hasn't really panned out. A Brooklyn guy, actually. It's kind of a shame that he's uh, leaving home. Got to go to, uh, I don't know where he's going to go, actually, now that the Nuggets are going to wave him. But the Nets get all of that for one player, and they get a protected draft pick. That's the big thing. So Kenneth Fareed, he was a beast. He actually, I did not know this, he is the all-time leading rebounder in collegiate history. He leads everybody in in career rebounds over a four-year span in college. He actually has, I think, like a hundred more rebounds than Tim Duncan. Something ridiculous. Tim Duncan was second on that list, but yes, most people don't know this. I didn't know this. I was looking into Kenneth Fareed last night. He's a Newark-born guy, New Jersey-born guy, so he's coming to Brooklyn. That's pretty cool for him. He's 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 a beast. He hasn't played that. He hasn't been great for the Nuggets the last few seasons, injuries and and whatnot. But let's see if he can do anything for the Nets. They add a couple good pieces there with this trade. It's a big one. It, it, it's good for the Nets um, because, like I said, they haven't had many draft picks. Sean Marks is doing a really good job. He shores up another draft pick. It's a top twelve protected pick. Um, and really, this was what makes this deal doable for the Nuggets is this was simply a salary dump. They were able to save or free up roughly 21 million in salary. This saves them about 43 mil in payroll and luxury tax for the upcoming 2018-2019 season. All right. So, this will be for the Nets. This is going to be uh the upcoming after this season, the Nets will have their first first round pick in about five years since that god-awful trade with the Boston Celtics. This is a really good chance for the Nets. I hate to see teams tank, especially teams I'm a fan of, but if the Nets go out there and tank this year, they get a top-10 pick. They get to keep that pick and finally get a, a player for the future, and now they, they are starting to, to tack on these extra these extra, extra um, draft picks for the future as well. So it's it's looking like a bright future in Brooklyn. So look for them to uh, start to ramp things up in the near future, next couple, three, four, five seasons, to hopefully get back into playoff contention and, and start to build that franchise. All right, finally, this will be the last 
bit that I have for the NBA. All right. We have my man. Actually, no, this is not all. I don't know what I was thinking. All right. So, yeah. Next up we have, this is just a quick one. It's really not much. LeBron James mural. So everybody knows in L- in uh, Venice Beach, this this artist, he painted this LeBron James mural. It was vandalized twice in a span of like five days. Someone actually painted over it black. I thought that was kind of funny. But the guy's mural was actually incredible. The man is very talented. He's a known artist in the area. It was painted, I guess, on the wall of some barbecue joint or something like that. But he's been fe- he's fed up. He's decided he has since painted over it just white. He completely just got rid of it. He's done with it. So that's that. Some interesting news. Charles Oakley, all right, he was arrested. The former New York Nick, we'll get into more on this. He was arrested in Vegas on accusations that he essentially cheated during a poker game. I don't know exactly what game he was playing, but it was some sort of poker game. He was arrested at the Cosmopolitan Hotel and Casino after he tried to pull a $100 chip during a game. So he was suspected of adding or reducing his wager on a gambling game after the outcome was known. Listen to this. Oakley played for the Knicks. He had a very good career. He his career earnings are somewhere in the neighborhood of forty six million dollars. Why does he feel the need to cheat in a gambling game in a game of fucking poker? This guy doesn't need to cheat. Come on, man. Come on, Charles. You don't need to cheat. This is ridiculous. You made forty six million dollars. Are you really? Are you broke or something, my man? Come on. This is just. This is a joke. This is an absolute joke. And, of course, he could now face one to six years in prison. I'm sure he won't face any time. But this isn't the first time that he's had a run-in with the law. As we all know, last year, uh, February of last year, what happened when he was arrested at Madison Square Garden for trying to fight James Dolan, the New York Knicks owner. This man has gone off the hinges. I know he's only 54, but Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't know what's going on. All right, so yeah, last year, February of 2017, he tried to attack James Dolan at a Knicks game. They had to briefly stop the game, actually. And then he starts fighting a security guard and, like, throwing punches. He's escorted out in handcuffs and arrested, and James Dolan gave him a lifetime ban from MSG. That was since reduced. I think he agreed it was reduced to, like, maybe a one-year ban or some something like that. But Jesus, man. Charles Oakley, get your act together, my man. Come on now. All right. So we're, wow, we're over the hour and five minute mark. Hour six right now. This is actually incredible. This is going to be, I think, my longest podcast ever. And I'm not even paying attention to the Yankee game. They have since scored two runs. We're here in the fifth inning, one out, man on third. It's four to two now. Cleveland on top. Yankees looking to add another run. Let me uh, stop being distracted here and and swing it on over to the NFL. So, wow, I have a lot of NFL, not a lot of NFL stuff, but this is pretty much the last bit of my NFL news. Um, So I'm going to get into this real quick. We're going to start it off with some news out of, yes, pertaining to LaShawn McCoy. All right. Everybody has, has to have known this by now. Sean McCoy... Sean. LaShawn McCoy, better known as Shady. 
So this was wild, all right? Earlier in the week, I was pretty on top of this because I got some notifications. I was sitting around. I looked into this immediately. So Bill's running back, LaShawn McCoy, his estranged girlfriend, her name is Delisha, D-E-L-I-C-I-A, Delisha Corden. She has been living in McCoy's, he owns a house in Georgia. I don't know what, if somebody else knows, let me know because I'm not sure. He plays for the Buffalo Bills. That's not Georgia. He went to college at Pitt. So I don't know why he has a house in Georgia, but maybe he likes it over there in Georgia. So he bought a house there. He certainly got the money, but I'm just, I was just, that, that came to my mind. Like, why does he have a house in Georgia? But anyway, his estranged girlfriend has been living in his house in Georgia and she's refused to leave. So she's just living there free of charge. So I'd be pretty damn pissed if I were her. And wow, Tyler Wade just hits a swinging bunt down the third baseline and he's the fastest player on the Yankees, so he beats that out. We now have first and third, one out. Anyway, she's been living there. So on Tuesday, she was was robbed and beaten in McCoy's house. This is where it gets weird, though, okay? Delisha Corden, who was robbed and beaten, his estranged girlfriend, her best friend, she posts on Instagram a side-by-side photo of Corden before the attack. Very beautiful woman, actually. Before the attack, and then the after of her sitting in the hospital bed, completely beaten, bloodied, and just bruised. I mean, it was a vicious, it looked like a vicious attack. She really got her face beaten up. It was it was kind of grotesque. Don't go look for that picture if you get squeamish at the sight of blood or anything like that. But uh, she, yeah, she was badly beaten. So this woman, it's since been taken down because I tried to go find it again because I posted it in my group chat with my friends and we were talking about it, saying how crazy this was. If She not only posted the picture, but the caption is what everybody was talking about. My jaw dropped just reading what the post was, the caption. It was incredible. She captioned this photo, right? by accusing McCoy of basically domestic violence. She calls him the devil and goes on to say that he beat his son for wetting the bed, beat his dog into kidney failure, and even took performance-enhancing drugs. These are extreme accusations for a high-profile athlete such as McCoy himself. We know the NFL reputation with their players as it is, so this would be just devastating news for the league. Shortly after the news dropped, Shady quickly responded back denying all allegations and involvement. It was determined, however, that McCoy was in Miami training nowhere near Georgia at the time of this incident. But, but it gets better. Corden still believes that McCoy is responsible, saying that he, she believes he set her up. Basically, what that means is, that she thinks he hired somebody or paid somebody to go break into the house, steal some jewelry. I don't know. He might have had some Rolexes there. He, listen, she was living in his house when he did not want her to. So she's claiming, we don't know. Time will tell. The facts will come out. McCoy has since hired a criminal defense attorney because this could get ugly. We'll see if there's any merit to her claims. But she thinks basically 
McCoy in some Fargo-style attempt hired somebody to break into the house. Maybe he was supposed to just steal back some of his jewelry, some of his prized items that are worth a lot of money, and things got a little heated. Maybe he didn't know that she was there. Maybe she wasn't supposed to be there. Well, this woman gets her just absolutely, like I said, the, the, the photo is pretty grotesque. She gets really, really beaten up. I'm sure she has some facial fractures. As I look up, oh man, I thought Aaron Judge just absolutely demolished a home run. Yankees get one back. It's 4-3. So yeah, he hires now a criminal defense attorney. It will be very intriguing and interesting to see if this there's any merit to her accusations and if this progresses any further, but I'll keep an eye on that. If the NFL can't get any worse, I say it every gosh darn week, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Here we go. Cardinals GM Steve Kime. This isn't even a player now. We're talking an executive. The GM of the Cardinals was arrested for a DUI. Come on, man. Come on. This is ridiculous. I mean, so he's... All right, that happens. Then we have a woman files a lawsuit accusing Marcel Darius, the very talented defensive tackle of the Jacksonville Jaguars. She accuses him of sexual assault, shocker, another domestic violence incident. Ex-Bengal Pac-Man Jones. This man seems to get in trouble with the law every year. I don't know how this guy lasted in the NFL as long as he has, but he's 34 now. He's no longer on the Bengals. He is a free agent. This dude, I would play the audio, but there's really not much to it. It's just a lot of noise, really. You can find it via TMZ. This man was walking through the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport with a woman. Don't know who the woman was. Not really identified. Tuesday night, right? This happened when an airport employee, this guy was later identified as Frank Reagan, of ABM Industries, that means nothing to me, I don't know what that is, but this man made a gesture at at Pac-Man Jones, right? Okay, Pac-Man, he probably said some sly shit to him, right? So Pac-Man turns around, he, he probably gets all tough, he's like, what'd you say to me? Something, you know, something like that, right? He confronts him, tries to get in his face, and that's when things start to pop off, okay? The heated interaction... Was ca- it was caught on video, which is it's it's pretty it's pretty hysterical. Please go and watch it. I I advise all my fans out there listening to go and watch this because it is hysterical. All right, this man does have some size on Pac-Man Jones, but I would not mess with Pac-Man. He's an NFL player for God's sakes. The the, the dude can probably fight. So anyway, um, they get into it. They're shouting at each other. Pac-Man's girl is trying to break it up, and she gets caught in the middle. Another dude tries to help break it up and separate the two. Um, so after, yeah, Pac-Man gets in, this dude drops his back, but he's like ready to go. He's he's into it. They start throwing punches and whatnot. Okay, Joe Pac-Man Jones, I think, beat his ass because this dude went to the hospital and Pac-Man did not. So it's there's no news on whether he's still in the hospital, this guy, but Pac-Man and his girl. Did not go to the hospital. She was banged up a little bit. Her hand was messed up, I guess. Pac-Man Jones, in a surprise twist, was not arrested because police determined he was not the instigator of the fight. This guy, Frank Reagan, or Reagan was taken to the hospital, like I said. Eh, nothing crazy. Treated for like minor injuries, but he was later arrested on two counts of battery. 
And I'm confident in saying that I don't believe he will be employed at this airport any longer. It's safe to say. But Tuesday night's altercation, as I said before, it's one of many, many negative headlines to be linked to Adam Jones off the field behavior over the course of his career. Like I said, I don't know how he's lasted this long. Adam Pac-Man Jones, he's nicknamed Pac-Man. I don't even know why, but that's stupid. He's been arrested a handful of times while establishing himself as one of the league's most sought-after players. To me, that part is BS. All right, this is from an article I found online. I don't know who wrote this, but uh, that I don't think he's not one of the most sought-after players. He's one of the scummiest players. He's always, I mean, yeah, he's been a he's been a good, solid cornerback. He's lost a step later in his career, but he's been a good return man in unpunt situations. He's 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 been a pretty decent player. I mean, he's been an, I wouldn't say he's average. He's, he was above average. He's gotten down somewhere around the average level, but Cincinnati Bengals defense hasn't been much of a slouch over the past few years. They've been good and he's been uh, part of the reason. So I don't want to downplay his, his level of play there, but so here we go. Let me just, let me just get into this, right? He has been arrested twice in 2006 for public intoxication and f- this is the big one. In 2007, this man got into it in a strip club in Vegas, and he actually, he, I think he, I think this is the incident where he paralyzed some, he paralyzed somebody, okay? And he's still in the league. This man actually paralyzed somebody. It's, it's incredible. But he was most recently arrested in January of last year for three misdemeanors and a felony charge of harassment with a bodily substance. All right. He famously played for the Tennessee Titans. That's when he was really probably at his elite level when he was on the Titans. He came over to the Bengals. Okay. And he's currently a free agent, like I said. So I don't know if he will play this season. Um, I don't know if he's going to be facing any type of suspension or fines from the league. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But that's all the bad news. Let's talk about some good news in the NFL. If you can believe it, there actually is some good going on in the league. Yes. And it comes courtesy of J.J. Watt. This man keeps trying to outdo himself. I mean, seriously, right? He has now donated ten thousand dollars to the family of fallen Wisconsin to the family of a fallen Wisconsin firefighter. This was Sun Prairie Fire Department Captain Corey Barr, who was killed in an explosion due to a natural gas leak. J.J. Watt famously played for the Wisconsin Badgers, so that's probably where the connection is. Uh, this man, unfortunately, leaves behind a wife and three-year-old twins, so you got to feel for the family there. But it's a very good gesture from J.J. Watt, who was voted, mind you, last year by Sports Illustrated as their Sports Person of the Year after he helped to raise $37 million in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. Everyone remembers that. He put out a GoFundMe. He was he was trying to raise $2 million, and it got all the way up to $37 million. So J.J. Watt continues to give it back to the community and to make a difference in people's lives. So that's good to know that there's still some, uh, there's still some good ones out there in the NFL. Next up, we have some news from the supplemental draft in the NFL, okay? 
there were only five players eligible in this draft, and the two of them were drafted. We have Giants drafting Sam Beal, the cornerback out of Western Michigan. So they have to now surrender their 2019 third round pick by selecting him. And for those of you that don't know, this you might not many people might know about the supplemental draft, but this is specifically for players that didn't declare for the spring draft but are eligible to join the league. I think this also has to do with players that might have gotten in trouble or kicked out of their school or their college and they're going to go right to the pros. So like I said, there was only five players eligible for this year's supplemental draft. That would be Beal, who I just mentioned. Next, you have Virginia Tech defensive back Adonis Alexander, Mississippi State defensive back Brandon Bryant, Grand Valley State running back Martavius Carter, and Oregon State linebacker Bright Ugwogbu. Ugwogbu. Okay, so... Adonis Alexander was the only other player of the five to be selected. He was picked up in the sixth round by the Washington Redskins. Both Beal and Alexander had been ruled academically ineligible for the 2018 college football season. Therefore, they decided to enter the supplemental draft. So there you have it. Brandon Bryant out of Mississippi State, right? Yeah, Mississippi State defensive back Brandon Bryant. He wasn't selected in the draft, but my New York Jets quickly signed him Signed him after that draft took place. The remaining players went undrafted. We'll see if they are picked up by any other teams. But uh, that is it for my NFL talk. That just about wraps it up here on this episode. Last but not least, we always do this. We have our On This Date Well, on this date, we now have most famously the semifinal between John Isner and Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson. Did I really just call him Kyle Anderson? Sorry. We have the famous six-hour, 35-minute long semifinal Wimbledon match that took place between Kevin Anderson and John Isner. So that's going to be an on this date in sports history in the coming years. But realistically, there is one. Um, on this date, July 13th, 1966, Jim Brown retires from the NFL. Wow. I obviously was not alive back in 1966. Jim Brown is one of the all-time great running backs for the Cleveland Browns. Yes, Jim Brown played for the Cleveland Browns. Ha, ha, ha. But one of the most prolific running backs in an era where they just There was no science. They didn't know the risk of concussions. They barely wore face masks. These guys would pound each other. They would pulverize each other. They probably played with multiple head injuries, probably couldn't even see straight and got back out on the field. So what this man was able to do is pretty impressive. So yes, July 13th, 1966, Jim Brown retires from the NFL. I think that just about does it. Um, I'm going to wrap things up right now. I'm your host, Anthony. You've been listening to This Week in Sports. I'm going to go finish watching this Yankee game as Cleveland adds another run in the fifth inning. Herman's out of the game. They've chased him out. It's 5-3. to three. I'm looking... Th- I'm thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly looking forward to watching France versus Croatia in the World Cup Final. Let's see if France 
can bring me home some bacon. Let's see if I can win that bet. And let's see what happens. Let's see. Uh, yeah, let's see. I, I, I'm very interested to see this matchup. I mean, I did not think that I would be this interested in the World Cup. When the United States is in it, I'm not this invested in it. But when you bet on a team and they make a run all the way to the World Cup final, and you've been saying since since day one of the World Cup, when there's 32 teams and it's a crapshoot over who's going to win, and you pick the one team that's actually in the final when Germany and Brazil and Argentina and Spain and Portugal and all the favorites get eliminated and France makes it all the way to the final, it's awesome. It's really cool. I hope you guys enjoy your weekend as much as I'm going to enjoy mine. Like I said, we have Wimbledon. Tomorrow morning, we have the third place World Cup match between Belgium and England. We have Serena in her 10th Wimbledon final. We will resume that match between Nadal and Djokovic with Joker on top right now. We will continue. This is the last weekend before the All-Star break in Major League Baseball. So we'll see what teams can head to the break on top of their divisions. We'll see any trade rumors anything heats up with the Machado we'll see if any trades take place and let's just enjoy yourselves everybody so yes that's it I'm Anthony I'm your host I'll see you guys back here next week that is one week from today on Friday I'm your host this has been an episode of this week in sports take care everybody enjoy your weekend